Hey guys, welcome to The Festival Rules, brought to you by Action Park Media. We're talking Sundance 2020. I'm Josh Horowitz. I'm Ben Lyons, and Sundance is my happy place, Josh. You know this. I love this festival so much. This is year 15 for me. I've spent... He likes to say that a lot. Year 14 for me. Yep, you'll get there one day. Well, yeah, next year. (laughs) And then I I realized, Josh, I've spent like four months of my life at Sundance. I've spent so many hours at Eccles and the library and the Mark and Prospector and on the buses. And I'm so excited that we get to do this this year. Yeah, next to his marriage, this is Ben Lyon's most meaningful long-term relationship. Well, let's dig a little deeper into that because my (laughs) wife is from just down the hill. She's from right in between Park City and Salt Lake. So I get to go out there all year long now. And it's incredible how the town and the community is just taken over by, as my mother-in-law calls, the people in black. All of us people from Los Angeles and New York who fly into Salt Lake wearing our all black North Face for for a week of, of independent film. But it truly is a place for discovery and a place for celebration of creativity. And it fills my cup up every year. I feel super inspired when I'm driving back down the hill. I know you feel the same way. No, totally. And I, I think that's part of the reason why we were creating this podcast that, you know, we call it the festival rules. And and the idea is, you know, it's kind of has two two meanings. Obviously, we do think festivals rule. These are these are our happy places. And we really love the creativity and the energy of these, of these film festivals that we've been privileged enough to cover for years. But we also know that a lot of you guys can't get out to these festivals and you want to know what it feels like to be on the inside of it. And we feel that our combined 29 years, oh my God, of Sundance going, uh, gives will give you some special insight this year. We're going to be your eyes and ears on the ground in Park City, Utah. And, you know, we're going to see a ton of movies. We're going to talk to a ton of movie stars and filmmakers and really try to make you feel like you're in Park City uh, without getting a cold. And touching, <laughs> right, and not, not being able to eat and not being able to sleep and you burn it at both ends, but that's what makes it so much fun and such a special experience. You're kind of blocked off from the rest of the world. Yes. Sometimes my friends will text me and they'll say, oh, did you see what happened in the Nick game last night? I was like, nope, but I saw this great Maggie Gyllenhaal movie. (laughs) So you do kind of learn a new language out there and we hope to be able to decipher that and share it with all of you listening. I know there's sometimes when I miss out on a festival, like if Josh goes to Toronto and I don't make it that year, I kind of learn about the films and which movies I'm going to need to watch from following your coverage. So we hope to combine forces and provide that for all of you listening. Yeah. So, I mean, I, if you're listening to this, you probably have a sense of what Sundance is, but we should we should talk a little bit about what the festival is and what it means to us specifically. Do you remember your first one? I do remember my first one. So yes, 14 years ago, um, I wasn't the, the glitzy on-camera correspondent then like you. I was a producer and I remember seeing, oh God, what did I see? I saw a David Gordon Green movie called Snow Angels uh, with Sam Rockwell. It's the first time I met Sam Rockwell and Kate Beckinsale. I remember interviewing them off camera. Um, I remember, oh, here's my indelible memory. So in Sundance, you never know what's going to pop. You know, like on paper, what sounds like a really cool movie. That year, the big movie that everybody was talking about was Chapter 27. Oh, yeah, of course. Uh, Jared Leto and uh, Lindsay Lohan. And and the movie about who killed John Lennon, right? Mark David Chapman. So this was the big biopic about Mark David Chapman. It was the hot ticket in town, and I remember it was my last night in Sundance, and I remember going to see the movie, and it was the 
biggest piece of crap I've ever seen. Maybe the one of like, top five you're worst being, movies. You're being really generous, Josh. I mean, it's not you're a being movie. far too. It's kind. not even a movie. And 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 I don't. You probably remember this. Jared Leto like gained like seven thousand pounds to play Mark David Chapman, all for naught because nobody cared. Um, <laughs> and my actually other indelible memory of that night was trudging through the snow and trying to find where I was living because this is my first time in Park City. I wasn't with anybody that Oh, night. you weren't familiar that Eagle Rock Road was just down the street from Sidewinder <laughs> Bear Mountain? So legit, I could have died that night then. Like 50-50, I was oh, dude, alone that, that, you're in not the dark. Joke. I believe you. I totally believe you. I, I've had some of those death walks with you where you're like yeah. on some Star Wars planet looking for shelter. <laughs> exactly. Where's my tauntaun to cut open and live in tonight? My first Sundance um, was before I actually started working at the E! Channel. I was freelancing at NBC. I set up a whole week of interviews with Anthony Mackie for Half Nelson. Right. Joey Lauren Adams had directed a movie with Ashley Judd in it. Um, I did something with Paul Giamatti where he was a falconer. He learned oh, something. Yeah, yeah remember, remember that movie? Yeah, yeah. yeah, that was a Sundance movie. And so we lined all this stuff up and NBC pulled the plug last minute. And my buddy Brandon Cranes and I said, you know what? screw it, we're going anyway. And we did all the interviews and then ended selling selling them back to NBC after we did them. We stayed in Redstone, like by the bottom of the highway, which right. is so far from everything now that I think about it. And I have a friendship with Anthony Mackie for the last 15 years from that interview. We stayed in touch. It's where I met Jason Spire, his manager, and right. relationships started that, uh, that, that continues today. So the access you get to people in a much more relaxed environment, totally. especially young, young stars as they're coming up in their own career, it, it provides for a much more intimate conversation about you, film. You're totally right because it, it is, you know, we, we do a lot of this. We've done a lot of celebrity interviews in different kind of venues in, in a lot of ho random, bizarre, boring hotel rooms in Los Angeles over the years. And there's something special about being in this weird cocoon. Um, some the Kind of the rules are different for the stars too. Like everyone kind of like just shifts their mindset when they get out there. It's a little bit less of like, you know, the 17 style like handling you and it's more of like we're just gonna make a go of it and stand in the snow and just chill out and talk about movies to a degree look I'm not I'm to not to a degree <laughs> yes but also if you think about it it's not only because of the environment it's because of the types of films the stars are out there promoting right. and talking about they're oftentimes far more intimate and personal stories they're not just doing it for a paycheck the two hours of press that's in their contract that includes 15 minutes for Josh Horowitz and MTV News is different out here. They appreciate, they know that your schedule's packed, yeah. that you have to see 20 things and talk to 50 people. So the fact you take time out for them, oftentimes they kind of get excited about, I think. But yeah, and you also hit on one of the important things about Sundance is that it is a festival of discovery, of discovery of films and of talent. And you're right, like when I think of some of the indelible conversations I had there, like you and Mackie, like I remember, it was literally 10 years ago that I was at Sundance and I went to like this random movie, no one was really talking about it, starred, you know, the kid from Third Rock from the Sun and Zoe Deschanel. And you're like, okay, give it a shot. And it turned into like this amazing audience pleaser, 500 Days of Summer. I remember that like crowd just like, they were on crack. They were loving it so much. It was just like, what is this thing? Because it's discovering it. Yeah. It's that feeling you get, and you're sitting in Eccles, and you see something that goes, "Oh, this is that. This is the one." Yeah. And I and I and I ended up talking to to Joe and and, and Zoe, and we're going to talk to Joe again in Park City this year, ten years later. I can't wait to see him there. And you do you establish that like you were there at the beginning, and now you're you go along for the ride years later, and now he's there in a kind of a much different uh, role and capacity, and that's always cool to see. And it's you know the the. the 
business of the festival has changed a lot since back then. Yes. That was a true indie that went there and Fox Searchlight found it and bought it and got behind it and, and went on the ride. Now with the emergence of the streaming services, oftentimes these films come baked in already with a home and they're yep. using the festival and the energy around it as a platform or to bring that kind of prestige to it. There are still some true, true indies that are going out there yep. to find a home and to find a life. Uh, but the, the you know nobody was streaming movies when you and I were first went out there. Yeah, and it's crazy to think that like we have been going there long enough to see like a, a, an evolution of the festival, and it, it obviously predates our years there. I mean, the festival began in, in 1978. If you don't know, its its namesake is of course Robert Redford. Uh, you know, uh, Sundance is of course the, the Sundance Kid is character from Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid, and he started it as a very small festival. Um, it's actually not. It does the festival actually ironically isn't. In Sundance, it's in Park City, Utah, which is close to Sundance, the town of Sundance. Again, another reason why you need to know the festival rules. If you plan your yeah, trip to go out to- Don't go to Sundance. The festival, don't go to Sundance. <laughs> You're screwed, my friends. <laughs> um, and yeah, over 40,000 people attend every year. And yeah, like if you you probably have a sense of the history of Sundance, but I just want to rattle off some of like the films and filmmakers that have come out of Sundance, because it is kind of awe-inspiring. Each festival- has their own unique imprint on culture. But Sundance stands apart as the one that really launched careers. Careers like Kevin Smith and Robert Rodriguez and Quentin Tarantino and David O. Russell and PTA and Soderbergh, Aronofsky, like the list goes on and on. And like, you know, of course, all their films debuted there from, um, you know, Blair Witch Project, Spanking the Monkey, El Mariachi, Corks, uh, Sex, Lies, and Videotape. All of these were fa- were sensations in their own time. Napoleon Dynamite, Napoleon. big Sundance movie. Yeah. and up Little into- Miss Sunshine, you said, Sex, uh, Sex, Lies, and Videotape, Whiplash. I remember that was a great that, opening that night was movie. Opening night. Were you there that night? Yes, I was, I was. That was a huge opening night movie. That was, and again, that that's top five memories for me. Because again, like, I didn't know who Damien Chazelle was, the filmmaker behind that. We knew, I think... Did we know Miles by then? I was actually pretty good friends with Miles at that point. And I remember we would play golf and he would show me his hands from doing whiplash and they were all bloody, his knuckles from constantly drumming, constantly right. drumming. And uh, he, and then that went on to get an, to win the Oscar for J.K. Simmons, right? Yeah. yeah. So yeah. to start at Sundance and 13 months later, be honored for your work shows you how the launching pad of that, the power of, the, of that festival. Totally. I mean, Get Out was a surprise screening there just a couple of years ago. They use it sometimes to like do like these surprise screenings. Um, or they sometimes do it just to bring a huge studio movie there and they realize guys like you and I are out there for five days. Yeah. So they say, you know what? Eddie uh, the Eagle. Here yeah, go. Hugh Jackman, you're in a movie with skiing. Why don't you go out there and talk to Josh? <laughs> no complaints. It was fun. That's, how, I think, how I met Taron Edgerton. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Discover, talking about meeting talent. I mean, I did Elizabeth Olsen first on-camera interview ever. Right. I was the first person in the press line for Martha, Marcy, Marcy May, May, Marlene. Marlene. <laughs> Say that five times Right, first. and she had never she had never done press like that. That's funny. I was literally I think, the first one on the line. I think of that too. Those first couple of years, I, I interviewed her for like four different, she had like three Sundance movies every year. Yeah. And it was always fun, wasn't it, to like see like which um, actor, like there's always an actor with like three or four films that year. Yeah, this year, Alison Brie has a handful of yeah. them. But you're right, I remember one year, Jessica Chastain, I interviewed yes, her, and it was before that, it really popped for her. My and first interview with her was uh, Take Shelter. Take Shelter with Michael Shannon, right? Such a great movie. And Amazing like, movie. And I remember interviewing her and being like, okay, she's good in the movie, but she's also the most charming human being I've ever spoken to. <laughs> like, this is a movie star. Yeah, um, no, it's it's really great to be able to connect with with talent at a, at an interesting time in their in their career. 
career. And then there's also all these other voices that are out there. Yes. I interviewed Chris Webber, Fab Five legend, NBA all-star, because he pr- he produces movies. And he had a, a couple films out there, um, one with Colby Smulders, another one with Adam Horowitz from the Beastie Boys, like these little mumblecore yeah. kind of small indies. But yet he's walking down Main Street in Par- Park City and the- 12-year-old Ben Lyons is freaking out because it's Chris Webber at right. Sundance, right? Well, you know me and like music. I'm like, don't have the most sophisticated music taste on the planet. But like I've like had extended conversations, extended interviews with Neil Young, Dave Grohl, Ice-T. Yeah, it's right. Only Ice-T had that, hit that, that beef movie out there, I remember. <laughs> yes, I met Young Jeezy at a weird after party at Sundance once. Meek Mill has a film there this year, Charm City Kings. So it is a great mu- – I saw Little Wayne perform there one year. They well, they always also, whether they have films there or not, and I'm sure some very cool musical acts will come out. They'll be like, you know, at the club at like 3 a.m., there's talk of Drake showing up or Beyonce or whoever. Like <laughs> That's when Josh, when we're in the condo, 8.30 in the morning making his almond butter toast. So <laughs> – so what'd you guys do last night? <laughs> well, I was well, in bed at 10 o'clock. Well, Josh, uh, Rick Ross is apparently a big independent <laughs> film fan. <laughs> but yeah, I remember like there was like a year it was like Bill Gates was there. Yes, Bill Gates. That's floor, right. Because right? he produced that movie about education with John Legend or yeah. something. Yes, it's, right. it, it is really a confluence of every kind of aspect of celebrity, music, technology, film, uh, because it is like, you know, before the word influencer was a dirty word and everywhere, like that's where influencers came was Sunday. And I think, I think they still do, but but not in the the, the the defined 2020 word influencer. Well, I, I, I remember, and I've told you this story, like I, the, the turning point in, in some ways for me, and I think I remember Redford like lost his mind the year that um, Paris Hilton came with the hottie and the naughty. Remember that film? Did you ever see that movie? I have a Paris Hilton Sundance story for okay, you as okay. well, but continue. So, so no, I just remember like the hottie and the naughty was her movie when she was, you know, really trying to make a go of an acting career. And it was obviously not in competition at Sundance, but she came and she was drafting off like everybody being there. And I just remember interviewing her in like a press line and being like, Sundance is weird. It's <laughs> <laughs> not what I imagined. I was a diehard Philadelphia Eagles fan at one point in my life and they were in the NFC championship game and I was watching the second half next to Jamie Kennedy and Ron Jeremy before my interviews with <laughs> Brittany group. Snow wow. and Adam Scott and the aforementioned J.K. Simmons for uh, The Vicious Kind. And my producer at the E! Channel was like, Ben, you got to stop watching the game. Come interview Paris Hilton for the hottie and the naughty. And I lost it. You know me. I said, if I miss this Eagles game for interviewing Paris for this movie that shouldn't even be here, right. fire me. And sure enough, years later, I don't work at the E! Channel. <laughs> Look, now you're here with me in a random now I'm here office with talking. You. Yeah, talking Sundance. Um, let, let, but look at last year. Just last yeah. year alone, The Farewell, Honey Boy, Late Night, Britney Runs a Marathon. Yeah. In the documentary category, you've got Sea of Shadows, which I love, Apollo 11, Love Antosha, Knock Down the House for Netflix, the highest selling documentary coming out of Sundance, Maiden for Sony Classics, like the docs at Sundance last year. That's a good point. Incredible. Halston, profile of the great fashion. Um, you know, entrepreneur, really cool stuff last year. And yeah. I expected this year to be, you know, even better. It's always, it's funny. Cause it's like, if you look at that list, like if you look at the, 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 the narrative ones, like farewell, honey boy, late night, Brittany runs a marathon, like 
Honey Boy, like, I know was high on our list because it was Shia. Late Night had some star power to it, but, like, The Farewell, like, Aquafina was not a star. So, like, you think of that. I did the first, actually, interview with Aquafina after the premiere of The Farewell, and she was just, she walked out of that theater, like, on cloud nine, like, my, my life has just changed, and mm-hmm. it and clearly has. That's For, an incredible feeling that we're going to hopefully try to convey to all of you listening is the idea of you're an artist, you work so hard on something that doesn't have all the support and resources like a big studio film. You walk into a little high school in the snow, Eccles Theater, that holds a thousand people, yeah. and your life changes in that moment. It's like the NBA draft when you shake the commissioner's hand. Yeah, you know exactly. that that moment <laughs> will change your life. That was the Aquafina farewell moment. Let's get, give, I want to give the listeners a sense just of the nitty gritty kind of logistical stuff. I mean, we'll talk about this when we're on the ground there sure. too. But like, you know, it, it sounds like pretty probably ritzy glitzy, like, oh, this is awesome. They're just living the dream there. But like, and it is like, like, don't get me wrong. We are very privileged, but like it's credentials and levels of credentials. Which pass do I have? Is this going to get me into the right Josh, screening? I, I, you know, I've been there 15 years in a row every year. It is such a fight and a challenge to survive, <laughs> to get from point A to point B on the buses, yeah. to eat. This is obviously not manual labor. We're not no, like Zoolander's obviously. family in the coal mines. <laughs> we get it. But at the same time, it's not just, oh, let me show up in my uh, beautiful no. North Face jacket and watch yeah. the grid. Ben and I aren't, aren't the ones rolling up in our SUVs no. in the last seconds of the premiere. And we've been doing this. So that's why I can understand for people who have never done it, it seems like this intimidating, far-reaching thing. Yeah. It's tough to, 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 to navigate it, and you're going to miss some stuff. But yeah, I mean, have you had times where you've just like been waiting for a bus at one oh, yeah, in the I've morning? I've missed plenty of screenings <laughs> just because, yeah, and again, like dying in the, in the lost like snow of Hoth. Um, absolutely. And, and yeah, like I've learned, like, you know, and we are going to impart some of like the quote unquote rules, the tips to survive there. If you do get the opportunity to go <laughs> and like my number one, one bring snacks, guys, you don't know when you're going to eat. <laughs> like I've literally, I think I've told you this story too. I was starving one day. Like I hadn't eaten in like 16 hours or something. Like I'm dying. This is not one of your like new Josh Horowitz my diets. My minute fasting. No, no, which is going to go out the window as soon as I hit park city. Um, I literally went into that, like that, that like fudge shop, that candy shop on main street and just bought like a, Big freaking hunk of fudge. And if anyone had a photo of me, it's like Josh Horowitz walking down the streets of Park City, just gnawing on a giant block of chocolate like a like a monster. It's like Dan Aykroyd. <laughs> <laughs> Right, with the beard and yeah. the salmon. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Trading places. Exactly. It was like, what is this thing? Is that, is that like, guy from MTV? What is that? Milk was a bad choice. <laughs> Look, you do what you got to do to survive. No, that, that, that that's true. I, I remember being out way too late one year uh, when I was working at E and get, getting back to the condo as the sun was coming up to an email from my boss saying, you you have an 8.30 interview with Anthony Hopkins. <laughs> How'd that go, Ben? Uh, it didn't make the show. Ah, didn't make the show. Remember he directed a movie? Oh, that was a bad movie. And everyone kept movie. just telling him how beautiful it was. Right. It was incredible. But I swear, if I ever get the privilege of interviewing Sir Anthony Hopkins again, I'm going to say, did you make that movie just to like troll everyone? Yeah, totally. Just to see how people in your life would treat you and who in your life would tell you how it is? Because that movie makes no sense yeah, yeah. at I all. I can't even remember the name of it, but I totally remember what you're talking about. Okay, let's look ahead at this year 
at Sundance because you know we've taken our, our list or look at the list of all the cool movies and we're we're booking up a bunch of cool folks to talk to. Um, we each have a few movies that we're we're eyeing in particular. But I did, but to preface this quickly, yeah, yeah. like I learned, like you said, to not chase the cool. Like, oh yeah, yeah. I remember one year, my idiot brother was the movie, and right. everyone wanted to see it, and it's a good little movie. Yes. But okay, just see stuff that you think might be interesting to you. Don't chase to try to find the next little Miss Sunshine because yeah, you'll get burned. To our point, it's going to be what, what comes out of Sundance 2020 will be yes, com- some star power vehicles, but also some things that were never on our radar. So uh, if you listen back to this after Sundance 2020 and say you guys are idiots, uh, you're right. I <laughs> yeah, guess. Probably. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you want to go first? Any? Of yeah. Yours? Yeah. Uh, Four Good Days is on my list. It's with Mila Kunis and Glenn Close. It's directed by Rodrigo Garcia who wrote and directed Glenn Close in Nine Lives. Um, And the reason it stands out to me is because, you know, Mila Kunis, who's known for her comedic work, has had some dramatic turns with great success, notably in Black Swan. And here she plays uh, a drug addict who comes home to see her mother. And it's a simple premise sounds like it's a play as much as it is a movie, yeah. but to see her show a dramatic side, um, I think will be really interesting. And it could be one of those movies that you see at Sundance and the two of them are talked about for awards next year. Um, but the idea of addiction, how it plays into a family dynamic, something that every family can relate to. I know I've related to it in my family. So I'm very much looking forward to seeing it. I'm not necessarily a crowd pleaser and a hilarious one out of the gates, but, but- Mila Kunis and Glenn Close in a two-hander could be really Really good, and, and yeah, I mean, I feel like there have been jokes made for years every time we're at Sundance, like what a qu- like a typical Sundance movie is, and in some ways, like sometimes a typical Sundance movie, if done well, is worth seeing. And yeah, that, there that will probably be, be some montage of a character looking out the window set to an <laughs> ironic song, <laughs> right? And then on the flip side, I think of I think of Fox Searchlight as like one of like the the, the behemoths at Sundance. They've really made the most of it from Little Miss Sunshine uh, onward. They always like pick up the best films. This year they're bringing one of their films that they've already like made. Um, and this is a, a big star vehicle, Downhill, I'm very excited for. I mean, I love Will Ferrell and Julia Louis-Dreyfus. They've never worked together before. Uh, this is actually a remake of a Swedish film called Force Majeure that was really great. Uh, kind of a dark comedy that's uh, um, it's going to be an interesting kind of mix of, I think, uh, not like a, the Anchorman end of comedy for Will, a little bit more dramatic, but still uh, has its like uh, comedy bona fides to it. So, and that's also from um, Faxon and Rash, who like wrote a bunch of uh, those great. Like they directed, I think, The Way Back. Um, they've uh, written a bunch of cool stuff for Fox Searchlights. So this one, I feel like seems like a no-brainer that it's at least going to entertain me. Sounds like not just an over-the-top comedy, no. but I will have comedic moments you would imagine. Yes. Uh, I do enjoy comedies at Sundance because so much of the stuff can be heavy that sometimes when you find something that can be amusing, even if it's one of those yeah. life comedy, life dramedies, if you yes. will, uh, it kind of stands out from the pack. Totally. Um, yeah, that, that should be a good one. That's, I think, on Sunday night. That sounds Opening right. Weekend, I yeah, think. Yeah. I don't know. All the, all the days blend together yeah. at, at the top. Um, What's your next one? Uh, I had a film on my top ten. I think it was was it last year or two years ago. It was a documentary that I saw at Sundance called "The Last Race" from a photographer turned filmmaker, Michael Dwick. Yeah, I saw. Did I see that with you? I don't know, but it's about like just like race the last racetrack yeah. in Long Island yeah. in Riverhead, and now he's back with another documentary called "Truffle Hunters," <laughs> along with Gregory Kershaw. They go and uh, document the white alba truffles in the northern forests of Italy. My friend Michael Cassar, who owns Wexler's Deli in LA, throws a big truffle Christmas dinner every year. There are people in LA called the Truffle Brothers who sell truffles to all the restaurants. Truffles, like as a um, almost a commodity, along with coffee or cocaine or whatever, is like is 
crack to people. Like seriously, it's really people, people love truffle and to see the truffle hunters of Italy where I'm looking forward to that. It's a weird documentary and probably, uh, uh, I might be the only one who cares about it at Sundance. <laughs> I love but it when you I keep it real and go really like, you know, the, the mass hits, the, the stuff, the real. We only talk Paris Hilton at the top. <laughs> that's true. That's true. Hey, we're you a mix know. of contradictions. Uh, I'm excited for the trailers already dropped for this one too. Promising Young Woman. Uh, Carrie Mulligan is a Sundance veteran. Oh, did an education premiere at Sundance? I, I wonder if so, it did. Yeah. yeah, that was like her breakthrough. Uh, and this one's got like one of those like, quintessential like Sundance casts. Uh, it, you know, it's got a mix of established stars, some older stars and some new stars, Carrie Mulligan, Bo Burnham, who brought eighth grade to Sundance a couple years back. I think back. Chris Mintz Plass is in there. Oh, I saw him oh, sneaking. Awesome. I think Max Greenfield, maybe. Allison Breeze in there, Connie Britton. It's Laverne a great Cox. premise for a movie. Yeah, and if you've seen the trailer, it looks like a really interesting new turn for Carrie Mulligan. Uh, it's kind of a dark, uh, it's like a dark kind of satire about a woman that's kind of getting vengeance back at all the men that are trying to take advantage of her. Um, seems very topical uh, and yet has a, a smart premise and, a, and a, again, like a a darkly comedic take on it. And that's definitely my jam. Yeah. That one's going to be really good. I think, um, next up on the list for me, well, I was going to go the indie episodic route and go to untitled pizza movie about two guys who started shoot, uh, <laughs> shooting in the early nineties, looking to find the perfect slice of pizza in New York. Um, but I will, <laughs> I, I will go a different direction. Uh, charm city Kings is the story of a 14 year old who wants to join the midnight click an infamous group of Baltimore dirt bike riders who rule the summertime streets. Now, Josh, I don't know how familiar you are with bike culture I lived in, in, in Philadelphia and Baltimore and, and around sort of the I-95, if you will. Um, but it's directed by uh, Angel Manuel Soto, who did Dinner Party. Uh-huh. And it's got Meek Mill in it, which I think is really interesting. He plays Blacks, the leader of the Midnight Click. And to any kind of Sundance movie that I, uh, I've seen over the years that takes you into an underbelly or an, a subculture or a world unlike your own, I think is fascinating. So the world of Baltimore street gangs and bikes, like all in. It's talking about cultures that I'm not necessarily like invested <laughs> in or, or, or know a lot about. I'm actually I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna uh, call an audible and change my last pick. I'm gonna go with Taylor Swift's. Miss Americana. That's right. Opening night. Opening night film at the Sundance Film Festival is a documentary with Miss Taylor Swift herself. It's produced by Morgan Neville, who did the Mr. Rogers doc a couple years back. Uh, I don't know much about it, except like that's going to be a night. We're going to, I think, hopefully both be there. Um, And I want to see what Morgan Neville's take on like one of the top five most famous people on the planet is. And it'll be kind of a kick to see Taylor Swift take on Park City. It's really cool, too, to see music docs in vogue around the biggest stars in the world. Rihanna just sold a Pete Berg doc to Amazon. You just saw Travis Scott on Netflix with a doc. Taylor Swift has a doc. There's a big Beatles doc that's going around and trying to get sold now. So yeah, I'd be curious to see Morgan's take on how do you document a very well-documented person. So the type of access she's able to give will be interesting. Yeah, It's a good slate, man. It's a good group of films you picked. Yeah, yeah. And uh, you have one more for us? No, that was three. Those are your three? You want another one? Excellent. No, no, No. we we got it. I mean, I should also mention that we've got films from um, Kerry Washington, uh, Andy Samberg, Ben Affleck and Anne Hathaway have a film. Alec Baldwin's got a film. Like, I could list... 30 other people. It's so funny. I remember back in the day when people, uh, you know, would say, oh, are we going to cover the Sundance this year? Well, who's going to be there? I don't know yet. They haven't announced. Every year, everyone's there. Right. So right. it doesn't matter. Yeah. It's, it's a stacked lineup again. 
Before we wrap up this first episode of the Festival Rules, we wanted to talk to a mutual friend of Ben and mine, Ben Schwartz. He's a veteran of the Sundance Film Festival from a different perspective than us, of course. He's brought short films and long-form films. He's, of course, well-known from his work on Parks and Rec, big screen work. He's got two films coming out next month, including Standing Up, Falling Down, opposite Billy Crystal, and Sonic the Hedgehog. He also happens to be one of the funniest people we know, so we thought he'd have a cool perspective, an interesting perspective, on what it takes to survive the Sundance Film Festival. Here's my conversation with Ben Schwartz. When I think of Sundance, I think of our guest today, Mr. Ben Schwartz. Do you for real? Well, I think of a lot of people, but you're in the top, <laughs> oh, man. top 500. Yuck, you led with kindness and then <laughs> a dash of cynicism and terrible it. people. No, but for this podcast, we're trying to educate. What's folks. the name of the podcast? It's called The Festival Rules. Okay. Sundance 2020. Oh, okay. Well, that's a temp title for now, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you've done Sundance how many times? I probably, the first time I did it was for I'm a Mitzvah, which is a short film. Then I did it for a couple movies. I think the intervention went there. That sounds right. Um, and then uh, another one that I'm forgetting, which I apologize for forgetting. And I love it. It is a medium for directors. It, it, it's also like one of those things where you do interviews. Oftentimes, a lot of the concentration is towards the actors. When you do Sundance, the directors get the questions, which I think is awesome. Right. Because they often, Oftentimes the movies are very inexpensive and they had to push everything they had to make all that stuff. So uh, I love it. And it's also like, it's also at the beginning of my career when I went there before whatever, you see like all these huge people. I remember doing Sundance for I'm a Mitzvah and then Rockwell was there. We went to a party and fucking Philip Seymour Hoffman was there. And I'm in a, I'm in a little circle with Philip Seymour Hoffman and Sam Rockwell and I think uh, someone else that I really looked up to and you're just like, and it's all of them just hanging out as friends. Yeah, it kind of takes away a lot of the trappings of yes. like celebrity that kind of separate everybody. It's like, it feels like everybody's just in it together trying to survive. That's right. It's like <laughs> actor on actor type stuff as opposed to, um, yeah. you know, there's industry aspects of it, but it feels yeah. like once you find your little groups, um, but I've always loved it. And also the name Sundance, I feel like is, I got into Sundance, it's such a big thing to say. What would be your first piece of advice for somebody that hasn't been to Sundance? How do you survive Sundance? This is not even a bit. Yeah, you go. should bring vitamins. You should bring, you should take emergency. You should bring water. It is, everybody gets sick at Sundance. Anytime I've gone to Sundance, I come back sick because everybody's holding hands, touching hands. You're meeting a hundred people. You're in rooms with a thousand people and it's so cold. And if you come from LA to there, you're freezing and you just, I can't, every time I've gotten sick. Yeah. Um, so hydrate, uh, take vitamins, see movies if you can. A lot of people don't get to see movies because you're just doing press for yourself and uh, pace yourself and also just like take a moment to enjoy it because oftentimes when you're there as an actor or something like that, you're just there to do press and you don't get to really be like, wow, this is insane. Yeah. But you also get to see your movie at a cool Sundance theater that has probably seen all these legendary movies in the past and get like a response from movie lovers, like people who love movies. So um, I've always, I, I love that place. I love festivals in general. Uh, I've done like 13 independent movies. So um, any any place that supports it like Sundance is great. Yeah, I mean, so what, you know, Sundance has obviously been around for probably what, 30 plus years at least. At least three years. <laughs> yes, at least three years. Right, but, minimum three. But it's evolved in terms of what it means, I think. I mean, we're obviously in this changing landscape where Netflix, yeah. Hulu, et cetera, are now major players. And and Sundance, you know, it, it's a it's a different a, a different use, I think, than it was 20 years ago. Does it feel like in the times you've gone that it still serves? Like, what do you think the purpose is of Sundance in 2020? So I, uh, for me, it would be to try to sell a movie that would not otherwise be seen or not otherwise get distribution is one of the big things. One A, even to get your movie on that list, list validifies it as a film that someone considers Sundance worthy. Right. And by the way, I've also been in movies that got rejected from Sundance and did great at a different festival. There's a movie that is 
really tailor fit for Sundance. And then there's movies that are tailor fit for Tribeca or Toronto, sure. or, which I've done as well. So it's interesting to see what happens. But for me, like, so I, I, I might be directing a movie later this year that's independent and a certain amount of money, which is very low budget that I wrote. Um, and if it gets into Sundance, we can get buyers to look at it, to hopefully right. maybe be like, we love this. Let's push for theatrical. Let's try to sell this. Let's do this. So for us to try to get people, the biggest thing you do when you make something for a little bit of money is to find any way to get anybody to see it. Right. So Sundance gives it that. So does, uh, we shouldn't talk about other festivals, I guess. because yeah. But like Toronto sure. can help with that as well. But Sundance is, you know, the, the name alone, if you if you get there, you get buyers to come see it. Yeah. You can get a bidding war. The intervention had a little bidding war and then we sold it and then everybody, you know, there's a lot of people saw it. So it's something that, you know, you put in all your time and effort to make this tiny independent movie and you want anybody to see it. Sundance could be that avenue to get it sold. Um on the other side of things, have you cashed in on any Sundance swag over the years? I feel like legendarily <laughs> 20 years ago, it was like you came there. There's not as much now, I right? Know, like back in the day, it was like Robert Downey Jr. walking out with like washer dryers. Oh my God. <laughs> the first the first Sundance I got, I got like a big overcoat that I still wear today. I got boots from Caterpillar and I got like, it was great. And now it's like not not really anything. I think if you're you like a out. superstar, if you're like a big superstar, you get all the special things. Right. That's like, if you go to like the Oscar things, I'm sure those guys get insane. Right. The, they get bag, yeah. Too, I don't think someone or whatever. I'm a mitzvah <laughs> is going to get that. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So the number one tip, uh, vitamins, take, I do take emergency, take water. Um, and, uh, the, the, people are there to enjoy films. Um, so enjoy films and, you know, meet people and have fun. All right. It's like summer camp, I guess. Right. Well, I never really much, went to sleep. colder, camp. but yeah. Yeah. I guess it's like winter camp. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. The festival rules. Hey, according to Ben Schwartz, Josh, Ben Lyons. Two people I enjoy. Ben Lyons, a huge New York Knicks fan. He is. Name one New York Knicks. Uh, Patrick Ewing. Wonderful. What number was he? You got this. You're so close. It's 10 more than Mattingly. Uh, 33. That's correct. <laughs> ben will be so proud of me. Oh, my God. Ben Lyons will be so proud of you. And also, now we've now we've linked a specific from Happy, Sad, Confused podcast with a specific from this. We're only the Easter egg uh, uh, listener. You're going to erase all this, aren't you? I have to cut this last part out. It was going so well. Crap. All right. Thanks, Ben. All right, thanks, Josh. Hi, Ben. Hi, Ben. <laughs> Got nervous. He's not here. I've been lying. I've been lying. That just about wraps up our first episode, Ben. Josh, I forgot to tell the story about my 85-year-old Uncle Steve dancing in the DJ booth with Paris Hilton when he was there as the subject of the documentary Young at Heart from Fox Searchlight. Damn it! No, I think you just did. Oh, okay. We're good then. So the episode's <laughs> over. We can head out to Utah. More stories like that on the Sundance Rules. Uh, we're going to explore every nook and cranny of Park City, Utah at the Sundance Film Festival for you guys. Remember... Review, rate, and subscribe. Listen to this wherever you listen to your podcasts. We're going to have a blast and hopefully bring you some of the flavor of Sundance 2020. Let's go make some independent film memories, dude.